it's very personal and and we need to treat it with care and with respect and um, and know what we're doing when we do that with someone that know that what what the ramifications are I love how you say that do that with somebody yeah. <laughs> that that thing <laughs> you do with other people that's my euphemism for have sex case yeah people. do that these people didn't uh, do it do it Brian do hey it. honey should we do that this we do weekend that now? <laughs> can I schedule a do that on the calendar yep I got a to-do list oh do that again I'll do that and then I'll do that do this, and do then that. I'll do that. I won't do that. <laughs> but I won't do that. But that's okay. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Welcome to episode 120 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Maybe a Cosmo, I don't know. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, plus guests address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, and yeah, usually with a good brew in hand. You can now show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. You can get us at the shot glass level, which is only $2 a month, or you can go for a full pint or a growler to um, keep our show going. You may even qualify for some swag and get some extended interviews and episodes with some special guests. You can visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Indeed. And you can join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using hashtag ptlive. Follow at PubTheology on those platforms. And you can check out video clips from the show on IGTV or watch us on YouTube for extra content. You can also leave us a voicemail, uh, give us, you know, your questions, uh, thoughts about the show, and we may play it live on the show, 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830, or you can email us, info at hubtheology.com. Well, today we talk about sex. What messages did you receive about sex as you were growing up? How was sex talked about in your family, by adults around you, maybe in your church? And why do churches tend to elevate, quote unquote, sexual sin above other kinds of sins? Is the term sexual sin outdated? And how can we do better as humans and especially as folks uh, in the church on this powerful yet often avoided topic of sex? Well, we are joined today on the episode by Carissa Burzma. Carissa is an artist, a musician, a bit of a minimalist, an ENFP, and friend of mine who curates conversations on sex. And we heard her do that last summer. Some of you perhaps at the Wild Goose Festival, hoping to be there again this summer. Mm-hmm. And welcome, Carissa. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, what are we drinking today? And actually, Carissa is the first guest uh, host on, in the shed. 
for the recording. So I'm, I'm, I'm honored. This is beautiful. <laughs> so we're <laughs> yeah, we're all jealous of the shed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Shannon, tell us what you're drinking and then we'll share what we've got. Over well, here. I decided that it was appropriate since we were talking about sex that I would drink a cosmopolitan in a hat tip to, um, the Sex in the City gals. So I am drinking a um, Amsterdam vodka because it's cheap and yet delicious. Um, Cosmopolitan. Cheers. 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 Chris, what do you got today? I've got from Saga Tech Brewing Company, Oval Beach Blonde Ale. I like it. There you go. It's good. There you go. And I am drinking the uh, Brewdog Elvis juice, which I've never had this before. Uh, brewed in Ohio, <laughs> brewed in Ohio, but we'll forgive him for that. Oh. And we're gonna cry really hard. <laughs> I know it's a grapefruit IPA, so I'm looking forward to oh, this guy. It's not peanut butter and banana or anything. It's oh. not peanut butter and banana. <laughs> Usually, when you have Elvis something, it's like right. Oh, you're right. You know, I wonder where where they got Elvis juice. Did he like grapefruits or something? It's our naturally flavored IPA. Packing more fruit than the state of California, a zest zenith on the nose, fruity foreplay gives way to a truckload of grapefruit and orange in an interstate pileup of citrus. A frenzied fruit cocktail of flavor builds to a crescendo and bitter finale leaves you screaming for more. Elvis juice, the absolute I key mean, wow. in a world that of That is not beef. inappropriate to talk about during our sex episode. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> I hadn't read that until just now. <laughs> Yikes. There's, there's foreplay, there's a climax. We're you know, good to go. I'm going to start reading my beer cans a little more carefully. I just tucked right? that in there. Tiny type, too. Wow. You read that without readers? Wow. I know. I was. I have to put on my glasses in order to read those cans. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Well, so, I should say that we, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, um, last year I met Carissa at Wild Goose and we all camped, Yay. camped together. So that was super fun. And so I'm really excited. So welcome. Thank you. Still in Barbados. He'll be back next week. So for those of you that wanted to know. That's uh, right. That's right. Ogan is, is off. Uh, beach I will be gone next week. So, you know, we'll figure it out. We will figure it out. Ogan will be back. You'll be gone. I'll be gone. That's all right. Everybody needs a vacation every once in a while. For sure. For sure. So we're talking about sex today, but our opener, uh, not unrelated, says, do you believe that people <laughs> deserve to be happy? So how many people on Facebook got caught up in the word deserve? I know. Yes, that's the the stickler. But but I think it's the interesting part of the question, right? Like, what do we deserve? And is is happiness sort of an inherent human right? Do I, by simply existing, do I deserve to be happy? Is it it just a bonus? Life's going to be misery and sad. But if you get a little happiness that you're, you're fortunate. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> Love, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Life, right. liberty. Life. Yes, or, you're or right. Love, or love. No, I like I mean, my version better. I like love but... better. Yeah, yeah, frankly. So we have a catechism that says what like what's the chief end of humankind, right? Yeah, right. Which is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. So like that to me, I don't know why I thought about that, that to me implies happiness. Like that yeah. there's a there's a happiness there where to enjoy God. Um I yes, like yes, I think yes, everybody deserves to be happy. What 
makes us happy uh, is up for debate, I think. But I think everybody genuinely deserves to feel loved, to feel joy, and all of those things make make you happy. Um, and I, I think sex is part of that in lots of ways, too. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think the word deserved is a little... Um, tricky in the in the question but I, I i do feel like people deserve the opportunity to to flourish to um to do well as you said to enjoy life uh and as you said in the catechism there's a connection to uh enjoying god or knowing god glorifying god and that so that spiritual component is connected there to um to joy and, and happiness so yeah, I mean, I think I'm okay with the word deserve, and uh, and I'm okay with the word happy. Not everybody likes the word happy either, but I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Chris, any thoughts? <laughs> That's such a vague question. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> we See, I have to put up with this all the time. Like, he asks me these stupid questions all the time, so <laughs> I have to come up with something. Well, if we, so if we connect it to sex, it, it leads me to the question of why did God create sex? Why did he set it up the way he did? Mm. And if, it's, if part of that answer doesn't include our personal happiness, then I don't know. Then is, WTF. Is it, a, <laughs> is it a trap? Is it a test? Right. So, okay. Sorry, Brian. I think we're just jumping right in. We're right? jumping right in. Do it. We're jumping right in. That's what she said. So anyway, the point is, how many name of our sex tapes and that's what she said. Can we get through? Oh, uh, my boys would love that. So, so I, I, there is that argument, right? That sex is only for procreation. That's the, that's the sole point of it which can get into a whole nother issue of, does that mean when you're past birthing years, you don't get to have sex anymore? Does that mean that people that can't have children aren't supposed to have, like, okay, even if you put all that aside for a minute, like the idea that it's not supposed to feel good, well then why were we created this mm -hmm. way? That is an excellent question. Why would then we be created with all these nerve centers, you know, at the point that we were, you know, created to procreate you know if you want to put it that way like why would that happen if it wasn't supposed to be a joyous and good feeling thing good yeah feeling you, you wonder what you wonder what uh biological and or um evolutionary advantages if any are are a part of the the enjoyment mm -hmm. factor and so thinking of this from from that angle uh, which for me as a, as a person of faith is not unrelated to the creation angle, but I can see some like uh, materialists or non-theists saying, well, is, there isn't any purpose in creation. It's whatever was to the advantage of propagating the species or continuing on. And, and if, if it was enjoy, enjoyable, people were going to do it more often and they'd have more children. And so they maybe say there was just a built-in advantage but if we bring in the, the creation aspect, I think Carissa's question is, is exactly pertinent. Why, why make it something that is so joy, can be so joy filled and so fills you and, and, and connects you to another being in such a powerful way if happiness and joy weren't supposed to be a part of it? So was sex ever talked about in that way? 
ever like did you ever hear sex about this it feels good and it connects you to another person and that the vulnerability that you experience during sex is is a good thing like was that was there any element of positivity there you mean kind of like growing up or in, yeah growing in up family I mean, of origin or in the church yeah, like we're talking about the goodness of sex right now as three grown adults, right? Like, mm-hmm. but I don't, I'm very consciously aware that that's not how I was taught about sex. Right. Like that, that conversation was never, didn't take place um, in the teaching. It only took place peer to peer, right? Like as we, me and my friends developed sex lives, um, then those conversations took place. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, thought. Uh, for me personally, those words were mouthed, but they—it was a very mixed message. Um, and the much bigger message was the fear and shame. Be careful! This is this is something to be afraid of, and uh, to protect yourself from, and to keep yourself pure. That was definitely the the bigger message. Yeah. Right. I, I would, yeah, I would say uh, similar, uh, and I don't know if any positive parts were were talked about. Maybe something vaguely about having children, or you know, once you're married for at least ten years, then maybe you can have sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's never put quite like that, but but definitely but there was one, this feeling, right? But definitely, you know, once you're married, was just like dr- you know drilled into uh into us uh for me just in family of origin also in the church i grew up in and uh and mostly negative messages i think like the be afraid of it like carissa said like be afraid and then if you screw up the shame factor was Mm -hmm. big you know like you've screwed up and you know can we get over this i don't know you know like just a lot of bad things about sex i think we we didn't we didn't handle it well at all in my experience see for me it it like it even went well you probably i won't make assumptions but it went that step further of you didn't even have to do anything in order for the shame to set in uh, you yes. just had to be a teenager who wanted who <laughs> yes. had feelings right right yeah. and that was shameful like yeah i mean i like and not that i advertise this but right but in my head i was a slut simply for desiring to have a a boyfriend to be kissed to be touched to you know go down that road like in my in my mind that was so sinful that was shameful Mm -hmm. um that was of the devil or whatever that you know whatever negative imagery i had um all of it was there you know which is sad i feel that yeah yeah when I, I had probably the same messages and my response to it was different in that I completely made sure I never had those feelings and mm-hmm. thoughts and I completely shut them down, saving them for when I signed that paper and got that ring, right? Oh, and God. then it was going to be awesome, <laughs> except... So did we, did we all three sign it? I signed it. 
Wait, what's the signing? Oh, one? I'm the marriage. Oh, is it only like, women? The wedding. Men oh, I signed that one too. I signed that. I will not the, the have purity sex pledge. Be, yes, the purity pledge. I signed. Like that Brian, did too. men have to? Like, did boys have to do that? I don't think I ever signed that. I think that was for girls. Yeah. Oh, oh no, you're right though. But talk no. about that message, right? Yes. Well, and that let's let's like all of this is our fault, right? That's there's the other side of it, right? Yes. Oh my that, God. Sure. We were the ones that um, our bodies were shameful because they made men attractive to us. Like, um, right? We can't wear yoga pants and whatever else yeah. and tight shirts and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, our, we were the ones that were keepers of our temples, right? And it was our responsibility to control the boys and to not put ourselves in situations to control what we wore, what we did, but boys could do because boys were going to be boys and they were going to want what they wanted, but they were good for that. Right. They were encouraged even in that. Yeah, Maybe not. Some, I think in some, I think certainly culturally that that's true. And I think a lot of that cultural messaging would see past, you know, the, some of the home and church messaging, uh, you know, about being macho and, and being a guy means you're, you know, you're in control, you're experienced. It's mm -hmm. cool if you've, you know, done this or gotten this far with a girl. Uh, and I think a total different standard was held to girls. And that's so damaging. And I remember in church, when I was maybe a freshman in high school, or maybe an eighth grader. No, I think a freshman and freshman or sophomore in high school, there was a girl who got pregnant in our church. She wasn't married and they brought her up in front of the church, totally shamed her, no sign of the guy and made her basically oh like spout God. a bunch of lines of repentance and just feel like a horrible human being. And that's, that's what we did. And that's horrible mm -hmm. and yeah. wrong. Yeah. So we didn't talk about sex in my household growing up. Like there was no conversation. There was no mention of it. There was no, so actually church was my first introduction to sex. So I had friends that, you know, thought they knew what they were talking about. Right. <laughs> this is like middle school age. Right. Yeah. So I have friends that are like, they think they know what they're talking about. And, and really those questions are like, so-and-so fingered so-and-so, right? Like that's the, and you're like, what the, uh, you know, like really at that point. <laughs> but it was like church that talked about sex, but it was just such a negative, negative conversation. Mm. But at my household, we, it was, it was very much off the table. There was no, no sexual discussion whatsoever. Mm. Not even joking. No. You, you didn't even joke about it. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And so there was, there was this, there was a hush hushness. There was, um, yeah, there was just this kind of very secret thing about it. And I, I'm the youngest of four. And so, you know, even things my sisters knew, I like, we didn't talk about it. And so kind of, you know, as we became older, all three of us had very similar, you know, um, not necessarily kind of on a spectrum. I, I hate to use the word completely assault, like yes, assault, but there was, you know, a spectrum of, but all of us have an experience, a conversation of, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was happening. 
mm-hmm. right? Because there was very much an unawareness of our body and how things worked and that, that conversation and, and very much a lack of conversation of how to say, I don't want to go there. I don't know how to stop this. I don't, you know, cause again, when you live, when you grow up the way that we all did, there's, there's not only you're the one responsible for your own purity, but there's also the, um, very patriarchal, the, the boy that you're with knows what he's doing and you're to, you're to follow him, right? You're to, mm-hmm. you're to give yourself over to him, but not in this way. And how, and so you, right. how, how do you deal with that as a, as a, it's an impossible roadmap. Yeah. It is right. <laughs> it's, it's, you don't know where to go. So, you know, and we were talking about this. I was, um, sitting on the steps with some girlfriends in college. There were four or five of us there. And, um, there was one guy, one, one of the girl's boyfriend. And, um, we were kind of talking about this, this kind of spectrum of, you know, um, not quite rape, but not like things happened without your consent, but you, there wasn't a moment of stopping. Like, are you okay with this? You know, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing of, of something happening before you really knew what was happening. And, you know, the boyfriend kind of said, Oh, that, you know, that's not real. And I stopped him and I said, how many of us, there's five of us here. How many of us have had that experience? And all five of us raised our hands mm-hmm. of, of, it wasn't like, Oh my good boy. I don't feel like it tonight, honey. Like that's not what we were talking about. Right. We were like actually talking about not knowing our own bodies well enough to know what was happening and to know what to even say of yes or no. You know, it's not that even some of them would have said no, it's just, they didn't even know what was going on. And that's, those are horrible for first experiences, especially. Mm. I'll stop there. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. So there's this um, quote from uh, Nadia Boltz Weber. She has a book out called Shameless Sexual Reformation. And she says, in the 10 years I've been pastor, I've known young married couples who did what the church told them and waited, in quotes, only to discover that they could not on the day of their wedding flip a switch in their brains and in their bodies and suddenly go from relating to sex as sinful and dirty and dangerous to relating to sex as joyful and natural and God-given. And I think that's not unrelated to what you were just Mm. talking about, like a total unawareness and or negative messaging. And then you get into the uh, situation, uh, marriage most often, where now it's okay, but yet you really still don't necessarily know what you're doing and you're still carrying all those messages of shame. And how do you, how do you find a healthy sex life when you've got all that going on? <laughs> Carissa, you're here to enlighten us. <laughs> Carissa, how do you do that? <laughs> I, guess, I think drink this is coffee. related. So I had a, a conversation with a very wise soul, and he's, he's said that the opposite of the way we were raised isn't to go out and say to your kids, okay, I'm going to take you to a club. I'm going to buy you these toys and these books and these magazines. And I'm just going to give you all of this. He said the the opposite wouldn't be that because that would still be the parent or educator kind of owning that child's sexuality. Mm 
The opposite of it would be teaching the child about their sexuality and then letting them be the driver as they get older mm -hmm. um, and stepping back. And, but, but doing it in a way that they are so well informed that they can make their own decisions and, and with wisdom and yeah. with knowledge. And integrity and yeah. all, all of that. And, and, and integrity maybe do, it doesn't necessarily mean not having sex, even though I was told right. growing up you should never have sex. I agree. I agree. So my my ex-husband used to joke that um, when I was pregnant with our first, um, he used to joke that, um, you know, his parents drilled into his head, right? Sex is bad except for outside of marriage, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm denying till the day I die that I've ever had sex. I'm He's like, no, I've never had sex. Right. Because it, yeah. it was such an absurd thing to put on kids that, you know, his response was to be like, that's how absurd it is that you, you did this, you know, this, that you taught us this way. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's, I, and I'm absolutely right. Like Angelina Jolie tells these stories of how her boyfriend like moved into her house at 13 or 14. Like that's not going to happen in my house, right? That's <laughs> not who we are. That's not what we do. Um, but yeah, I want to teach my kids. So part of that for me is um, encouraging my girls to know their bodies in the same way that we encourage our boys to know their bodies, right? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to buy them toys necessarily, but I am going to encourage them to know like where things are and what happens in and out of those things and how that works. And, you know, that feeling, you know, from little, little kids, right? Especially the boys, they, they touch themselves because, you know, there's this appendage that's there. And, you know, to teach them, there's a different, like, that's not bad, but that's something you do in private. So feel free to go to your room, you know, and please wash your hands after. But like, <laughs> <laughs> even at little, right? Even at like five years old, I'm teaching this. Because I love it's it. Good and it's practice. not shame-based. You're not saying, oh, oh, what are you doing? Don't right. do that. You're saying, hey, that's natural. That's normal. Let's talk about where it's appropriate to do that and when. And Exactly. And I this, you know, like, it's okay that I teach my kids not to expose themselves in public. Like, I think that's a positive body <laughs> thing <laughs> my children. But yeah. it's, you know, and again, like my, you know, I have an 11-year-old that's becoming older, right? And she has younger brothers and teaching her like let's go pick out a robe so that when you walk from the bathroom to your room you know and it's not because anybody's ashamed of her body it's just because there are some progressions we need to make you know about these things um so that i yes you're absolutely right there's a difference between shutting the conversation down and encouraging you know sex at 14 or 15, right? Like there's, there's a difference here than mm -hmm. what we're talking about. Um, we still have values as Christian people, like, and not that non-Christian people don't have values. I don't want to put that on people. Um, but I, I think there is a difference. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, th I think it's a different conversation when we can highlight that uh, sex is a gift and it is something 
that God has given us, but it's also volatile and it's also something that we have to know about and know that it, it, it's very personal and, and we need to treat it with care and with respect and, um, and know what we're doing when we do that with someone that know that what, what the ramifications are. And so I, you know, I don't think I love how you say that, do that with somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That, that thing (laughs) you do with other people. That's my euphemism for have sex. Yeah. Do that. These people didn't uh, do it. Do it, Brian. Do hey, it. honey, should we do that this we do weekend? That now? <laughs> Can I schedule a do that on the calendar? Yep, I got a to-do list. Oh, do that again. I'll do that, and then I'll do that, do this, and do then that. I'll do that. I won't do that, <laughs> but I won't do that. But that's okay. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. But I knew it. By the way, I totally used to think that was about oral sex. By the way. Totally, 100%. Really? Interesting. That is. I will do anything for love, but I will do that. that. Yeah. That is, I, I'd never had that, but there you go. Yeah, 100%. Used to think that was about oral sex. But I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't even know where we were. I right? don't know where, <laughs> I don't know where we were, but I hope we're having meat. I like meat, where we left. I hope though. we're having meatloaf for oh, something. I know what it was. So I think there's so, even as we're talking, right? We're talking about that first time. There is so much damn emphasis mm. for in this purity culture on the first time you give yourself to someone else. Yeah, say more about that. And that and that if you if you regret it or do it too soon, you've screwed up almost irreparably. Forever. Forever. Such right? Bullshit. It is such bullshit. And so that, so th- there was this obsession for me growing up about the first time, which, I mean, there was so much anxiety and so much pain. So on one hand, all of my friends are out there having sex, right? And I mean, not all maybe, but you know, this is happening. A number of them, yeah. Right. A number of them in high school, they're out there having sex. And so there's this like magic club you get put into of knowledge that you now have that I don't have because I, you know, haven't crossed that bridge yet. And there, it just becomes this obsession about it. And it becomes this huge deal um, that I'm not saying it shouldn't be. It's certainly a rite of passage. And I, I want it to be with a loving and a kind and, and a generous, you know, gift that two people can give to each other, but I just feel like this obsession about mm-hmm. that first, you know, I feel like that that's hard for, I don't know how you get rid of that either though. And right? some cultures like, still, right? If, if, if a woman isn't a virgin, then, she, you know, then the wedding is annulled or, you know what I mean? Right. Like that, that's, that's, that's right. huge ramifications, which are just and like, we don't have to necessarily get into all this because I think this is a whole nother topic, but what does that do to people who have been raped or abused as children or, you know, what, what does that do to them? This, this, Oh my gosh. I, I see how damaging it is for people that didn't, you know, have, but think about that message in terms of, well, I, I was abused as a child. So that means I'm, I'm done for, right? I don't, I don't have, give. I don't have a gift to give my no. spouse. I don't have a gift them. to give. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there's this, have you heard of the, there's a Korean, um, it's a history. Um, and my, my friend told it to me. Um, my friend, Yenna Wang, who's a, she's a pastor in uh, Virginia. 
Um, so there was, it's, it's a silver dagger. And if you, you can look it up like a Korean traditional silver dagger. And, and years ago they would give these girls as a gift when they were young, like a rite of passage gift. And it was a silver dagger. And um, they would carry it around with them when they traveled or when they went somewhere in case to use in case someone raped them hmm. or tried to rape them. And if they, if someone tried to rape them, they were to use the silver dagger, um, not on the person trying to rape them, but to kill themselves. Oh my word. I was afraid so they, they were not, they were not, um, worthy of living. Whatever. Oh my word. And so this, I mean, this is, and they carry that on them all the time. Oh and I'm not trying to dog Korean culture, right? This is this is everywhere. This is what we've done to women. Yes. For for centuries, since maybe the beginning of time or right. whatever, you know, right? This is what we've this is the message we've given for centuries. And and the trauma of that, right? And so, you know, I've been having sex for years, right? And <laughs> even now, I'm I mean, and I'm in a you know, very loving, very mutual relationship. And even now, the fact that I like sex is shameful to me, mm -hmm. right? Uh, There's this uh, little voice in my head that says, right. you're still not supposed to like this. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, earlier you said we're three adults discussing this, and I was going to say three adults who have had sex. I didn't want to out anyone, but we all are parents, so I'm just kind of making assumptions here. <laughs> We've outed ourselves. We have not all had sex with each other, though, so that's okay. But, oh, yes. but honestly, though, like even me saying that, though, right? Like I, I have that voice too that you're noting. Like, oh, well, that's yes, so Brian, I have had sex, <laughs> right? and I have had sex too many times to count. Right? Because as a teenager, that was the question. You've had sex. How many times? Oh my gosh! How many times have you had yeah, sex? Yeah, yeah. I've had sex so many times. I've lost count. <laughs> wow! Listen, you have four children. You've had You're sex four times. We all know. That's it. <laughs> right. We know at least I'm at least I'm at four. We know that. Yeah. Right. And if I were four for four, that's probably some kind of record. So we're gonna assume. And like everybody, I mean, really, everybody has their own sex life. You know, everybody goes in ebbs and flows and there's stages of life. And there's, you know, times when, I mean, yeah, it's just young children ages hard. Pregnancy's hard, right? Like, you know, actually pregnancy brought up a lot of sexual issues for me. Like a lot of them. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Right. The, um, I have a, I have a checkered, right, young sexual history and had an abusive boyfriend. And, and the idea, the, the pregnancy was, um, even though I clearly had given myself permission to get pregnant, <laughs> that, that um, my body wasn't mine, that lack of body autonomy was really hard. It was hard to deal with during pregnancy. And obviously I did, but it brought up a lot of those issues mm. for me. Um, that there was, I wasn't, that was something, a response to um, me being abused and me being raped was, was that I was in charge of my body, right? I really was the gatekeeper after that. Um, and there was struggle there when I got married, right? I'm supposed to do what my husband wants to do, 
even if I don't feel like it, but I need to, I needed to be in charge of my body. And there was that, there was that dilemma for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, and I, I openly say this, like it wasn't the reason my first marriage ended, but it was a factor, you know, that, that trauma was a factor because I was still married young enough where I was trying to deal with that. I was trying to figure out what that meant for my, my life and, and how could I ever really give myself to another person fully permissively. Um, and just trying to unwork like all of that was so difficult in my early twenties. Um, my, my, I got married for the first time at 23 and just trying to deal with how all of that unravels, how all of that works, you know, and he was patient and he was very kind about it, but it was hard. It was really hard. And you, and you also had that message in your mind that you weren't supposed to enjoy this. Right. Yeah. How do you, mm. like, how do you ever really, I mean, cause uh, let's, okay. I'll be honest. I don't know about you guys. Cause I do. I think it's a different sp- experience for everybody, but the best sex I've ever had are those moments where I could genuinely just let give myself over completely to that other person. Right. There was just something really beautiful and magical in all of that. And when you're, when you're dealing constantly with that little voice, you know, saying you're not supposed to like this or don't get, don't let yourself go too far or protect yourself even, you know, or are you performing up to expectation? You know, all the, all all the things things you're told, right? Yeah. And, and I, you know, Brian, I, yeah, maybe boys didn't have the same purity culture, but you guys have, tremendous amounts of issues, right? Like, you know, there's, there's all kinds of conversation about size and the, you know, like this is what matters, whatever, you know, a lot. Like this is what matters. Like somehow for all of us, nobody, nobody gets a pass on this, right? right? Nobody gets a pass on sex. Everybody has something that society has told them you must look like, you must feel like this. And that's what makes it good. Right. Right. There are people in society that say a, a monogamous relationship can't, it, you're not truly experiencing the fullness of sex. That's another conversation, right? So we did talk at the opening, does everyone deserve to be happy? And I think there is that sort of movement uh, in society about ha- uh, are we in a monogamous culture limiting ourselves and keeping ourselves from the happiness we might have? And I, I get a little wary of that because I've, I've, I've seen that go sideways in a real hurry, you know, right. And it sounds great in theory, but once you step into that, things that get complicated in a hurry and it's, that's, 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 I don't know. Oh, so maybe, that's maybe a, there's should... a biblical precedent here. <laughs> there is that. Yeah, there you go. For sure. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm a monogamous lady, right? Like I need, <laughs> I need to know there aren't other people in the bedroom, right? Like not even like in thought, right? <laughs> like that's who I am. And, and yeah. I won't speak for you too, but I'll say that's, you know, that's who we are. And I think it's okay that we speak from that perspective, but sure. definitely kind of putting aside that like other people feel differently and you know, that's a different conversation, but yeah. and you know. so I'm, I'm not willing to say it's wrong, but I think, as you said, you need to know what you're able to deal with. You need to know the relationship you're in and whether that's just going to totally implode what is a beautiful thing now or has the potential to be something beautiful. 
and are you willing to risk that or not? You know, I, but people have different. There's a a lot of layers to to marriage or even monogamy and sex is one of them, right? right? One of many, many layers. Um, But, but I think that as adults, even sex is something that gets shortchanged from us, right? We, we don't want to talk about it because we don't want to compare like necessarily. I mean, my closest friends, you know, sometimes that conversation sneaks in of like, okay, how often are you doing it? You know, like it's, right, right, it's right. still, it's really scary. It's a really scary thing to like talk about or to put out, to put out, you know, Ooh. <laughs> I mean, listen, I've already skipped over like 12 of them already. But. <laughs> We've well, shown why can't it be a fun conversation, right? Why can't we have fun with it? Why can't, why can't the conversation about it be as playful? Maybe not as the act itself, but it's a playful act. It's, it's the time as adults that we genuinely get to play, right? And get to have fun in a way that... I mean, assuming all the kids are asleep. <laughs> well, kids, yeah, they add a... They add honestly having kids. I mean, we live in a small house with four kids, and I'm just gonna say that makes it happen less than it probably Dude, would. They go we, to school every day and you <laughs> are home all day. We do work you from home. We do, we've got you a shed. You have a lovely shed. Have you, you have christened shed. the shed? <laughs> Don't want to give people visuals of what the shed is about. <laughs> Hashtag love shack, but you know, you there's never a know. swing in the corner. You just don't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> But on, but right though, but having kids is it oh. like it's a blessing, but it, it also does impact yes. the relationship at multiple levels and including sex. It really does. Well, and it affects the female body in yes. a way that changes sex. Um, that is something we never ever talk about and really needs to be something that I think younger couples have conversations about because you know you may not have sex for a very long time. Um, and that, that is, that's a reality maybe women know, but the actual like execution of that is difficult on a, on a couple, you know? Well, um, and I think it's shame based with that too. Yeah. Cause there's, when you're a married woman, there's a lot of expectation there. And when you don't meet that, there's shame right yeah oh for sure yes right. i mean I, I think all around and we and we don't even know how to talk about it and so how right. do you remove it's that, that thing that we don't talk about yes even talk we about don't it. even talk about it i yeah. think that's right it's like we're not neither of us is maybe happy but we don't know how to talk about it because we were never told how to talk about it and it's only a shame-filled subject and i'm embarrassed and so we don't want to share here's here's how I'm feeling or here's what would satisfy or make me happy or make me joyful. But also how does that intersect with where you are and what you're looking for and what you need? It's not just what I need. It's what we need. And then right. find a, a meeting point where it can go well together. And it, it may be some compromise on both ends, but if we don't talk, that's then yep. it's especially not going to go well. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, not wanting to disappoint this person that you love, right? So there's the, well, how do I, I mean, there it gets to as small as, okay, I really don't like it when you do that, right? Or 
can you be a little more gentle or can you be a little more rough or can, you know, there's the directional piece when you're like, okay, I don't want to like tell you how to do this, but you know, like where's that when there's an openness there, that's, that's done with ease, right? Yeah, if you could say, I like when you do X or I don't like when you do Y, that, that's a, even that's a simple thing to say, but right. it's so hard to say it. Yeah. And it may change from time even, to time. You yeah. Know? But yeah. we're not Just even because you said it once doesn't mean it's exclusive for every time. Right. I'm sorry, Chris. This is true. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I feel like we're not even comfortable with the vocabulary that we have available to us when we're having those conversations. Because right. we weren't, they weren't used when we were taught about sex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It, so how do we bring it in to this shame-filled, embarrassing conversation with the person that is our lover? We should be able to communicate with them about that for right. sure. Yeah. Well, and I go back to that quote or go back to that night of, of the people that waited right until their wedding night. And I'm sorry, I'll also admit I wasn't one of those people for, again, various reasons that I talked about, but like, you know, and you know, my husband was right. And there was, and I won't talk about his life cause that's his life. But like, there is this, how do you say to your partner? Like, Hey, I'm scared. You know, I'm, I, there's been all of this buildup for this night, my entire life. And maybe I need to take the pressure off like, can we talk about it tomorrow? Right? Like maybe there should be some, something, right? That, that is given that, that eases this conversation. And that goes back to the whole, that first time, right? That first, yeah, for sure. the, yeah. you know, that the pressure of that first one. Yeah. And I don't know what the answer is. You know, people talk about, well, now maybe you should you should live together for a while before you get married so that you know if this thing can work you know uh and it's kind of a when you if you both waited or one of you's waited it's kind of or you wait together at least then it's just even if you've had sex with other partners it's a surprise but now we're in it <laughs> you know now we're married you know yeah i, I mean what the answer is but I, i'm definitely way relaxed on what i think about that um, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm of the, I'm of the school that everybody's teachable, right? That every, you know, like <laughs> nobody's incompatible unless, you know, right. you're a woman married to a man and you're gay or, you know, like whatever, but, sure. but that there, there's a natural compatibility, but there's also like a discovery and a learning and a, yep. you know, whatever. And, um, let's be honest that sex, there's, if, if you have two willing partners, there's, it's not really going to feel bad. There's a way to make it go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like there's, there's ways to make it better, but it's not going to be bad. Right. Right. Yeah. I think there's a difference I'm, there. I'm kind of to the point where if one of my kids or someone I loved came to me and mm -hmm. said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to save myself. I'm not going to have sex with someone until I'm married. I would say, hey, I, I know people that that has worked really well for. That can be a really beautiful yeah. decision. Let's mm -hmm. talk about why you are making that decision. Because yes. if you are making that decision based on shame and fear, that's not a healthy approach. And let's talk about that. Great. Right. Love that. Well, and, and again, part of that purity culture goes back for women in that, you know, they belong to their father 
and then they belong to their husband, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, it, it removes that autonomy, right? That yeah. um, you belong to your, like your body belongs to you and you get to decide what yes. to do with it. And your sexuality belongs to you. It is yours. It's not your churches. It's not your parents. It's yours. And you get to decide what you do with it. Right. And it's not your boyfriends to decide or your husbands to decide what to do with it. Right. Or your girlfriends or your wife. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, it goes back to that, you know, you can't be raped by your husband. Well, sure you can. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, That being married has nothing to do with consent, you know, um, that, that every moment, you know, that you have together and, and I, but I, I do think in all of that conversation, especially right now with the me too conversation, the church Too conversation, we're, we're not talking about the beauty of it. Right. And the healing power that it has when it is wonderful and beautiful when it is a mutual loving relationship or you know um i think i think it gets lost in in pain which mm-hmm. is understandable yeah. yeah and so we have this quote from um another quote from Nadia Boltz Weber she says Here's the problem with capital T total abstinence. When our country made drinking illegal and instilled fear in children about the evils of alcohol, it led not to an increase of holiness, but to a culture of secrecy, hypocrisy, and double standards. And that's talking about alcohol, um, which you know we enjoy on occasion on this show. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> uh, but I think that can apply to sex as well, right? If, if, the, if the messaging is, this is all evil. It's always bad. And I know friends who feel that way about alcohol as Christians. They're in one of these churches where that's preached. Right. And I pray for them. Um, but, but I, I wonder, They're really you know, missing out. <laughs> but I, you know, like with our kids, like our kids know that we enjoy a glass of wine or a beer uh, mm-hmm. or a, you know, a gin and tonic, whatever. And, and yet they also don't see us like out of control drunk or right. dependent or whatever. And I think that can apply to sex as well. If, if we make it this total T abstinence thing, that's always shameful, always evil, always bad. As you said, as you both said, we miss the beauty and the healing and the joy that it gives and can give. And I think should give. Yeah. So have you, I mean, you both have teenagers, like I'm not quite to teenage. How many teenagers do you have? Uh, Three, two, and a 21 year old. Oh, so two. No, I have three. I have three teenagers and a 21 year old. Oh, whoa, whoa. No wonder I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then Brian, you have two teenagers. I have two, almost three teenagers. I have two teenagers and a 12 year old. So we're right on the edge of three teenage boys. And a girl who's grown so, up, you know, as she is. So Sure. When did you start conversations? Have you had conversations? I've had conversations with the oldest did two. Did they come are, to you? Did, they, did you go to them? Uh, me going to them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not coming to me. Did something <laughs> come up that said, oh, it's time? Or did you just decide? No, I just decided I, I need to talk with about stuff with these guys. And, and Charles is... I, I shouldn't name him, but you know, my 12 year old, we'll have that conversation very soon. 
So, you know, was and it, hopefully multiple conversations. So what did that look, I mean, what did that and look like? Was that, a, your like, body is beautiful and wonderful and there's privacy yeah, and I mean, so right. so women and, you know. Some of that, you know, like, um, you know, you're, you're a young man and, and there's multiple angles to that. Part of that is our sexuality and it's a, it is a gift that God gives to us and it's something we should treat with respect, but it is something beautiful and, you know, we need to know what we're doing when we do it, you know, there we go. Here's me saying. We're doing it again. When we do that. We do that. When we do that, you gotta find a better name for it, Brian. Right? My language is just, you know, I need to work on the work on the language. I mean, even if you call it stupping, just something. <laughs> no, exactly. Anything. Funky even... Town, right? When we go to Funky Town. Oh like... my gosh! Wow. Was it awkward? A, a little awkward, but I think it's good to just name it and not be weird about it. I think that's a key: is to to mm-hmm. say. Hey, you know, I'm a boy also, and I had these questions, and I didn't know mm-hmm. what I was doing, and I grew up, and my body changed, and you know, those are real things, and it's okay to explore, uh, and it's okay to wonder, and it's okay to, um, yeah, I, it's okay, you know, you're being human, but when you're involving another human, there's got to be all kinds of respect, all kinds of um, you need to both be on board with whatever is happening. There can never right. be a mistreatment of another person. I'm very clear about that with boys, you know, that, yeah. um, that you have a responsibility to act respectfully and appropriately toward another person. And I, and I, and I have said, I don't assume that that's a girl. I think it might be a girl, but I don't even assume that. Sure. You yeah. know, which for me is a huge shift to even think uh-huh. that way. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Hmm. See, I feel now, Chrissy, your oldest is a girl. I had to start way younger with her talking about her body because she's developing, you know, breast buds at like eight, nine years old. And, you know, what's going on hormonally, you know, like I had to start really, you know, young with her, Um, not with everything, but like in a way that I don't, I don't feel the need to talk to the boys at eight and nine about their bodies yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, yep. But the, the yeah. girl's different, right. And you know, the training starts earlier about what's going on with her body. Um, I don't know if you had that experience or not. Uh, no. no, no, I don't think so. But yeah. my girls might have taken after me then a little <laughs> later in their development. <laughs> My daughter's going to be six feet tall and like, she's, she's five, three at 11 years old. And like, so we had to start pretty young. (laughs) There you go. So, um, but yeah, so the boys, we haven't had conversations yet with the boys, except for like, you know, I know that, you know, it's okay to touch yourself. Just, you know, that's, that's private. And you need to do that in your own and wash your hands after. (laughs) Do that on your own time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know parents that, they put a towel in their son's nightstands and wash, you know, like once a week. No, no, no. They, they'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I want to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> see, and I, I, I feel like that's them 
still kind of pushing in on what belongs to their son. Mm. And they should be, mm. they should let them know about it and educate them and normalize it. But let them get their own towel. That's theirs. That's their job. That's exactly. their sexuality. Let them. It's funny because when I first heard it, I was like, wow, that's really like permissive giving and like good right. for you. And now I'm like, no, I'm not going to put a towel in my son's, you know, <laughs> nightstand. Like, get it. With, with an M on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, figure yeah, out monogram, a monogram out. towel. Because that that goes through the wash, and then you know, no, 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 no. Right. I'm, I'm aunt. I don't know your friends are probably awesome people, but I'm no. These were actually these were parishioners that I had 15 years ago that said this, and I was like, what? <laughs> but but you know, at that time, it was just such a new concept to me that like parents would right. Not even, it wasn't active encouragement, right? It was just permission giving. Like, you're going to do this, so here's what needs to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and and it was just such a new concept to me of like, this is so amazing, you know, that I, I didn't think through the logistics until I had sons and I'm going, oh, oh hell no, I'm not thinking. Like, you know, I don't want to know what's in your t-shirt, you know, whatever, but... Um, <laughs> Nonetheless, you know. Nonetheless, I, <laughs> nonetheless. But I, you know, I mean, that's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things to be left. I mean, I guess the other question, you know, that I have with my kids is like, I always get concerned of like, you know, I mean, they always roll their eyes when we kiss or, you know, something like that, right? Again, they're still, they're still pretty young, but there's, there's still that. Um yes. There's yeah, part, part, part of you as a parent wants to keep that going as long as possible, right? Well, by the way, that's their job, right? They're watching their parents kiss. They're supposed to roll their eyes. Like, yeah. that's supposed to be gross. <laughs> but even that if we're watching a show or something, like, to yeah. think, oh, cooties or whatever. Yeah, you know, you want your kids to be innocent as long as possible. But you can't be naive. They, they are growing up. They're becoming their own autonomous person who's going to have their own life just as you are. They, their role in life is not your child as your child. That's not their final mm -hmm. identity, right? It's their own human person. And how do we help them embrace what that means in all its complexities? Yeah. And I, I do think we, I think we change their view um, by again, giving them, I, I just think about how much different my life would have been if I were allowed to understand that I had that choice. It was really, it was everything, every bit of it was up to me. Mm -hmm. And that if I knew my body well enough to know what was happening, yes. I think if those two things were different, that it just would have changed everything yeah. about, about all the experiences that I had. You would have Even been if the pressure of that first time, right. The power and the knowledge, right? Power. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The power and the knowledge of, of knowing what was going on, of having control. Um, it's, yeah. it's so important. And again, you know, when we talk about this in faith, we talk about such the damaging parts of it. And we just, we rarely, the, I mean, the whole nother conversation is the church and the stigma of sex, right? Even as adults in the room, even as married women and men in the room, we're still afraid to talk about it. We're still afraid to have the conversation about it and the goodness of it. Um, it 
it's still shameful, even if you didn't grow up in the way that we did. Mm -hmm. And that's just so sad to me. I'd say the first step in reaching past that shame and being able to have those good conversations is doing exactly what you talked about, that empowerment. And we need to, as adults, take over that education and re-educate ourselves or further educate ourselves on the parts that were missed in our sexual education growing up. Mm -hmm. I, I know that's been a huge step for me. And that has empowered me to turn around and have great conversations with my kids as I'm trying to teach them and empower them. And that, but that yeah. I had to do that first. And, and I see the me too and the church, what's it called? The church, church too. Church too. Yeah. I, I, I almost see that as part of that healthy step towards empowerment. And I, Absolutely. I agree. It's blocking out the conversations about the beauty and the awesomeness of sex. I also see it as super important towards being able to arrive at a healthier approach to our sexuality. Yeah, they have to live simultaneously, right? We have to be able to name our pain and our hurt in this process and also claiming here's how I overcame that and here's where I am, you know, with it now. We for if you have, right? If you have been able to do that. And I don't I don't mean to say that like it's a goal, like all the shame has gone away or all of it, you know, but I've made I've made peace that that's no longer a reality. Um that doesn't mean it doesn't sneak in every once in a while, but there's still this, you know. Um but there's a way of calming that voice, you know. Um but the the voice got calmed because of conversations with my partner saying this is going on right not not keeping that voice yes you know in like not keeping that shame inside but sharing that and saying this is you know this is what's happening with me and letting them you know letting us together work it out you know that's part of the vulnerability that's part of the sharing you know awesome for sure for sure any other final final word from either of you maybe that was it shannon uh I'm, I'm Carissa, anything else to No, I've really loved being a part of this. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think I'll, I'll give one final word, um, a quote, one last quote from uh, Bols Weber. She says, when the boundaries, protections, and rules become more important than the sacred thing they are intended to protect, casualties ensue. Mm. And I love that line, and I think it applies to sex and far more items than sex. I think that's right. What is the what is the sacred thing, and how do we treat it sacredly? But how do we not abuse it by building up all these things around it that can lead us sideways? And I think we've talked about that for the last hour. So we have. Which actually, yeah, just I do have a last word, which is yeah. you know, as the church, but as people, we need to stop focusing on the sex of it and start focusing on the healthy relationship of it, right? That's the thing she's talking about. And that includes a healthy relationship with yourself, right? Carissa, you were talking about that, right? Making peace with that healthy relationship with self and in order to have a healthy relationship with another person and, and sexually, whatever that looks like in your life, and again, that's not a permissive giving sleep with necessarily as many people as you want, but each person has to come to a reconciliation of what that healthy relationship looks like in their lives. If we focused on that more, which I think is kind of what Jesus was getting at, but you know, we'll start <laughs> the last minute about these healthy relationships. Well done. Well said. 
Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. We'd love if you'd rate us on iTunes. Maybe you heard an episode, you enjoyed it, uh, give us a few stars over there. And you can watch us on YouTube or IGTV. And if you'd like to uh, find a conversation group like this, a pub theology gathering where people are meeting up at a local pub, brewery, or bar to talk about important issues, you can check out the official directory at pubtheology.com. And if you don't see one near you, you'll find some resources to help you start your own. And we'd love you to support the podcast at Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Do your boys do the that's what she said jokes? Well, we've watched The Office, so they've seen Michael oh, Scott make a lot of that's what she said jokes. So, so we've we've actually stopped. That's what she said in order. But you don't watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, so Brooklyn Nine Nine does name of our sex tape, and so we stopped. Oh. Which is so much more inclusive, right? For sure. So that's what she said is kind of patriarchal and you know whatever. But name of our sex tape. I like that. Like, yeah, it's oh, a lot better. I'm introduce that to my boys and yeah. rise up and call you blessed, I'm sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, for the rest yeah. of us, because we're getting sick of the that's what she said jokes. Well, so I actually have a, actually, Jason, who we had on last week um, yeah. for a long time, I don't think it is anymore, but his Wi Fi password in his house was that's what she said. Like, <laughs> Like, what's your so Wi-Fi if you live near Jason, if you're just driving by, just give it a shot. Just give it a shot. If you know where Jason lives, go by. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, I'm all about that joke. I'm, I'm also a, like, that's what your mom said. Like, I do a lot of that's what your mom said. Which, oh. You know, <laughs> wow. Huh. Right. Yeah. But that, that... That doesn't work when you're talking to your kids. It's it's not sexual based. <laughs> like that's what your mom said is not a sexual thing, right? I was just saying this is not a sexual okay. reference. No, that's what she said. And name of your sex tape are sexual references. But yeah. I'll also just you know like regular conversation. <laughs> you almost did it. You had to work at it. See, it work. See, I'll pick up on accents and like you made me like you, wa- you wanted so bad to say conversation. <laughs> Listen, there. my my cosmopolitan is all gone. Like, <laughs> all gone. So I'm gonna get lazy and say conversations. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you don't think about it, if you don't work too hard, it's a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. I think after this conversation, we've all earned a vacation. <laughs> See what I did there? See what I did there? Making them hang out at the pool with Did me. I say it right? Yeah, Chris. Ogan really was sad that he missed the sex conversation. He was, yeah. So oh. sorry, Ogan, that you oh. missed the sex conversation. Do it again. We could do a part two. Yeah. This morning he was like, "What? You're all doing the sex conversation, and I'm gone." Yeah. I mean, well, I'm sure I, there's. So I strongly feel it shouldn't be a conversation. Right. Right. Like there should be a sex, a sex talk. It should be a continued Thank dialogue. You. Right. So, so I'm so, sure that we can find more aspects to talk sometime about. Sometime before episode 200, we can get another. <laughs> we can get another sex talk in. For sure. And it's My come goals. up. It's come up. I don't know that we've had an, a devoted episode. I'm trying to, 
I can't remember. This I mean, you know, yeah, I don't know. We, I were mean, I don't know. we were due and having Carissa kind of prompted us to do it. So, and by do it, I meant have this conversation. Do, do that. You want to do that? <laughs> I'm sure there's some holes we haven't filled. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Boom. Oh my word. I was saving that one. <laughs> wow. Well, I might be on beer too. So yeah. right, yeah. This might not have been one cosmopolitan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Okay, bye guys. We'll bye. see you. Yeah, so anyway. See you in a couple weeks. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. All right. See you soon. Bye. Bye. -bye.